Merry Christmas, everybody, and welcome to another episode of the Wednesday Conversation. I'm Bethany Gilbert, and I'm here with Pastor Bob Thune and Pastor Dusty White of Quorum Day of Church and Pastor Chris Hemmelman of First City Church. Every Wednesday, we sit down to talk about how the gospel of Jesus Christ connects to the questions and issues of everyday life. Today, we're talking about Christmas isn't pagan. It's not, you guys, and that's what we're going to talk about in this podcast. But first... It's the third Wednesday, and I want to remind you that usually this is a Bovink day, but because it's the week of Christmas, we thought, you know what, let's talk about Christmas. We're going to kick Bovink to next week. So in December, it's going to be fourth Wednesday theology. We'll talk about Herman Bovink next week as we close out the year. This week, we just wanted to have a chance to reflect on Christmas, and apparently Chris knows a lot of people who think Christmas is pagan. You guys don't? I seems like I had this conversation every year. I forget. Yeah, every wow. year it feels like bouncing people are around like, a little bit. Do you guys celebrate Christmas? My friends are less pagan than yours, apparently. Do your friends have Christmas trees? <laughs> I'm I, I actually no, had that conversation. Once. Is the tree yeah. pagan? That's yeah, a, that's I think the, it's yeah. all pagan symbols. We do need to talk about how weird it is. So we're going to talk about an article from Tom Holland, one of the most uh, uh, wise writers I think. Wait, to- and let's clarify. Tom Holland, historian, not <laughs> Tom Holland, the Spider-Man actor. Everybody gets this confused, yes. I, I mean, I, it says on his profile, I'm not an actor. When I, when I told my daughter I was reading a Tom Holland article, she's like, Tom Holland? What does he write about? <laughs> exactly. I thought he was Spider-Man. Yeah. So this is Tom Holland, the British historian, who wrote the book Dominion, recommended by Tim Keller as one of the most important books for understanding Christianity's influence on Western culture. And Tom Holland's little article wants to tell you, hey, you know what? Stop believing that Christmas is Christianity's way of taking over a pagan holiday, because that's not what it is, and I'm going to tell you why. We'll get to that in a few minutes. First of all, hey, I'd like to hear from you guys. Like, what are you, what are your Christmas traditions? What do you guys? What's like the what's like the beloved Christmas thing that you do this week? I go to the midnight mass at Saint Cecilia's on Christmas Eve. Mm. For actually, okay, I don't say I. I don't go to the midnight mass. I go to the concert before midnight mass. So mm. it starts at 11 p.m. in a beautiful cathedral uh, close to where I live. And they sing and play beautiful classical music. And in a, in a room with a ceiling that's like 30 feet high. It's mm-hmm. beautiful. Mm-hmm. Wow. And that you're just fun. sitting by all these different people that are from all over the place and I don't know it's really beautiful and very fun and you're also very tired because it's late yeah. yeah when you said midnight mass I was like oh, I'm not gonna make that <laughs> it's late what are, are you gonna do it this year since we have you know worship service the next morning Ooh, yeah you're gonna roll uh, in tired I think so I think so nice. it's tradition you have to yeah I, I appreciate the commitment what's yours Chris uh we're more like about the advent traditions than Actually, I mean, Christmas, I mean, we travel to see family. And so typically, uh, if we're with Mindy's family, they have this thing where, uh, go to a Christmas Eve service and then come back and it's chili and oyster stew. Yeah. Mm. So that, that's pretty good. I definitely do not do oyster stew. So I'm all about the chili though. Yeah. yeah. Preach. So that's a good, that's a good tradition. Uh, but I, I mean, Christmas is great, but Advent's better. Yeah, sure. He, do you see what he did there? He just like I'm, I'm just I'm just stepping in here for Mike representing he just, uh, Mike. Yeah, he, he'll be proud of you. He just like spiritualized your Christmas question. Yeah, he's like he's Christmas like, has been going on for me since Thanksgiving. He's like, well, I'm a Christian, <laughs> so exactly. I'm so I go Advent. Uh, we, I always look forward to Christmas Eve with our church 
And then uh, we go home and our siblings, our kids, not my siblings, I don't have any of those. My kids all, that's that's traditionally in, uh, when they exchange their own gifts with one another. And that's always just, Christmas Eve is always, I think, the best part. That's awesome. I'm still trying to get my kids to buy Christmas gifts for one another. <laughs> Since they have their own incomes now, it's a little yeah. different. When I used to hand them money, it was yeah. different. They were like, oh, I love buying gifts for my siblings. <laughs> now it's like, yeah. you got to spend your money. It's, you know, yeah. you got to see if people are actually growing in generosity and other centered. I would say we have one kid who like, he wants to buy like these amazing gifts. And I'm like, dude, I don't, like, you don't have the money for that. I don't think you can afford that. Even you, even if you can afford it, I don't know if you should, but yeah. I just love seeing that kind of That's stuff awesome. come out. Praise the Lord for that kind of generosity. I hope he, you know, ends up gifting me later because yeah. I don't really feel like that's, um, it's coming my way yet, but maybe later on in life. Yeah. I'm trying to think about my Christmas traditions because I think, does this mean I've done a Christmas Eve service every year for 17 years now? I think that's what Probably. it means. I think so. I did one one year and you were out of town or something. Oh, yeah. Occasionally I travel out of town, but most of the time we're celebrating Christmas Eve as a church, which is fun for me, but it just means that like, you know, Christmas Eve is like a time of ministry and serving the people of the church. And then I usually Christmas Eve after that we do uh shrimp shrimp. Yeah. I don't huh. know why it's like a, it's, it became a thing in our household. So we do like my wife buys like pounds of fresh shrimp mm. and we just like feast on that. It's like shrimp and a charcuterie board and some other stuff, but there's just like it's, the feature is the shrimp. Okay. I don't know how that, be, how that became a tradition, but I think maybe it was my wife's, family tradition but that's just that became our thing so now my kids are like if we don't have shrimp on christmas eve it's like we we're rejecting the sacrilege of christ or wow so. <laughs> something about seafood on christmas eve those are the best traditions the ones that just show up and yeah. everybody yeah. knows it's happening yeah. yeah we uh you know i got my kids a puppy one year like 14 years ago so it's also like we just always tell that story because it was like the funnest christmas ever uh-huh. you know when do you, when you get a christmas puppy it's just like well that's a fun christmas so also <laughs> Also, that same dog died on Christmas oh, oh, two oh. years ago. Oh, no. So wow. then we also have that moment of like, oh, and this is the day that our dog died. So it's like the combination of joy and heartache <laughs> so at the same time. <laughs> so sad. Exactly 12 years of life for Man, Daisy the dog. That's interesting. I always feel terrible for like when you go to a funeral and somebody dies on their birthday, you know? You're yeah. just like, oh, that's just cruddy. Yeah. Well, that's why I always forget. It wasn't the dog's birthday, obviously, but it was the day we got the dog. So yeah, well, it feels like it, in our lives, you. yeah, that was the, the dog appeared on Christmas and disappeared on Christmas, you know, and it's just, even though the dog's life was not, it started whatever, nine weeks before that, but rough. Yeah. So. Well, that symmetry is actually an interesting segue into this article. Thank you. I, just, I thought just we were saying, gonna, yeah. I felt just the same saying, thing. Yeah. We'll get yeah. there. Um, so... You might have heard, you probably have had either <laughs> either an atheist or a Christian tell you that Christmas is a pain. Christmas holiday. just gets hated on by everybody. <laughs> and yeah. I've heard this about Easter too. There's this whole mythology that like, hey, basically what these holidays are, are Christ, as the Christian faith spread, it's Christians taking over pagan holidays and then Christianizing them. And so particularly Tom Holland is writing about the the pagan feast of Saturnalia, which was the feast to the god, the Roman god Saturn, which took place on the 17th of December, and that, you know, Christians put Christmas in December so that they could basically co-opt Saturnalia and then turn it into a celebration of the birth of Christ. And I actually always thought that was a brilliant contextualization. I was like, if we did do that, freaking That's great, smart. man. Why would you not do that? <laughs> Best missional strategy I mean, ever. sounds ever. great. 
But I think what, <laughs> I think what chaps people is like, yeah, but it, you know, they're just saying Jesus was born on the 25th of December so that they can take over this pagan holiday. Like it, it feels a little bit arbitrary and imperialistic, I think is, is the critique obviously. And uh, so Tom Holland writes this little three or four page article just to say, yeah, yeah, guys, I'm a historian. Let me tell you how this actually went down. So Chris, since you're the historian among us, I, you should probably just do the work for us of summarizing <laughs> what's, yeah. what's the, uh, Please. what's the case Tom Holland is making. So he points to a couple of pieces of evidence that people want to use, uh, as you pointed out, the the Saturnalia feast, but also the the god Mithras that was apparently born on December 25th as well, uh, which he points out that there's actually no evidence that Mithra was born on December 25th, that that is a confusion with a perhaps another god, sort of a, a reference to a, a different deity that it's sort of ambiguous as far as to who that deity is and when they were born. But uh, somewhere in the historical record, those two things got overlapped. And so the the argument, at least from the atheist side, is that Christianity had sort of adopted this Mithra legend into their uh, own belief system. And that's, poof, where you get Jesus Christ. Okay, hang on. Before you go further. Yeah. Holland does point out, yeah, yeah, there's tons of pagan cultures that had celebrations right around the 22nd, 23rd, 24th yes. of December for this yes. reason, because it's the winter solstice. Yes. And so it's the shortest day of the year. And so for every culture that had some uh, connection to the earth and to the the movements of suns and planets and things like that, this is always a significant day because it's the shortest day of the year. And so it's like, it's the day when the winter solstice is the day when st- days stop getting shorter and start getting longer again. And so there's some connection to the coming of light. Yes. And so he says, of course, there were all these cultures that acknowledged that and that had various kinds of celebrations around this time. Yeah. And that becomes, it becomes an interesting point when you start to, when we start to get into sort of the formation of kind of Christmas and how Christians actually thoughtfully, uh, you know, kind of thought through the season. So, so the, the connection to, to Mithra, uh, historically doesn't hold up. The other piece though, as far as the Christian argument, uh, this largely was born out of uh, sort of the the anti-Catholic uh, sentiment, papist. particularly Freaking in papist. in, in England. Yeah, uh, particularly in England, the the Puritans uh, had a had a particular hatred for uh, anything that sort of smacked of Roman tradition. Anything that was uh, papist. Anything that's papist. Freaking papists. <laughs> they got are, bleak are, on that. Are you, you have some like papist, like, I just like the word papist because the only people that use it are like Protestants that are really yes. mad about the Catholics. And so yeah. I like that they call them papists. It's like Luther says that Calvin says that the Westminster confession says that it's great. Yeah. Just, I like yeah. the word papist. Admitted. I like to call all my really hardcore <laughs> Roman Catholic friends. I just like to call them papists. Why are you such a papist? Yeah. Wow. You love the Pope more than you love Jesus. So we have papists and so far we have pagans. Yeah. Merry Christmas. Yes. Merry Christmas. Yes. Papists and pagans, and the Protestants thought the Papists were pagans, and so yeah. you know, just all this getting thrown it around. It takes one Puritan At least the Puritan to let you yeah, know. Yeah, the Puritan Protestants thought the Papists were pagans. Hey, let's talk wow. about the word Puritan for a second, because it actually does help us understand some of their inclinations. Right, the Puritans originally were English Christians who felt like the Church of England was not reformed enough. Yes. Like that they had reformed doctrinally, but not in their worship practices, that the Anglican services looked too Catholic. Mm -hmm. And so they're called Puritans because they wanted a purer kind of worship, a worship that was just centered on the word of God and maybe the table, but not robes and incense and festivals and celebrations and feasts and all those things. And so the word Puritan, when you understand the origin of it, really does help you understand some of the things that they would have just been uniquely sort of 
passionate about. Yeah, yeah. And it wasn't just the period. I mean, if, if you consider the the scope of the Protestant Reformation, I mean, come on, there, there, there was a lot of political and cultural fights happening. It's understandable why a lot of, pro- I mean, Calvin did not like Rome. The papacy. He did not like the papacy. <laughs> and he had a lot of good reasons not to. And so it wasn't just theological. There was cultural and political issues going on. I mean, some of these guys lost their lives or were persecuted. So the reforming of the church to, to eliminate uh, papist influence uh, was multi-layered in its, in its motivation. And so e- even if you could look back now, you know, five, 600 years later, and you're like, well, maybe sometime, maybe they threw the baby out with the bathwater in a few instances, you can at least step, take a step back and go, okay, I understand. If I was in the same situation, I yep. probably would have responded the same way. Uh, so anyway, you so the have- the Puritans are yeah. celebrating Christmas and their neighbors down the street are getting drunk and it's this big pagan celebration. They're feeling like, you know what? Exactly. Christmas is too pagan. It's, it is, there is shot through with too much of the pagan frivolity, yeah. uh, pagan excess. And that is- Scrooge is buying everybody around down at the pub and we can't be having that. Yeah. Exactly. <laughs> Scrooge, yeah, that's funny right there. <laughs> Scrooge somehow became, you know, a party animal. Yeah. Uh, that's another tradition. Mindy and I read through uh, a Christmas Carol during oh, Advent. Nice. So, so good. Yes. So uh, during Advent. He's <laughs> during Advent. <laughs> Just so yes. you know. Advent during tradition. Advent. We talk about that guy mm-hmm. during Advent. Yes, exactly. Go on, Chris. I so so it, wasn't, it wasn't as if the Puritans thought, oh, the Catholic Church uh, had borrowed or took over this, um, this pagan festival so much as the influence of sort of the, the frivolity. Uh, and so it, it, it connected, but, but a little bit different angle. Uh, so these two kind of twin monsters of papists or excuse me, of atheists and Puritan Protestant kind of anti-papist sentiment is where we get kind of the, the enduring myth that Christian, that Christmas is baptized pagan holiday. Okay, and he in the article he mentions, hey, actually, Christians in the Eastern Roman Empire celebrated Christmas on a different date from Christians in the Western Roman Empire, and there have been there was a writer years ago that was trying to figure out what why is that, and Holland gives the really fascinating answer that in the early tradition or the early centuries of Christianity, they really appreciated Jewish and Christian scholars really appreciated thinking about symmetry. Yeah in the, the way that the events of the life of Christ unfolded. And so Holland points out uh, Christian scholars and Jewish scholars came to believe that Jesus had died on the anniversary of his incarnation. I don't know that we know that from Scripture, but because of their, their interest in seeing sort of symmetry in the events of the story of Christ, that was sort of the way they thought about it, and that date would, be, would have been the 25th of March, uh, according to the Roman calendar, and so once that date was locked in, the assumption that Christ had been born nine months after nine months after his conception, uh, he, Holland writes, by the fourth century, the twenty fifth of December was coming to be enshrined across the western half of the empire as the anniversary of Christ's birth. By five ninety seven, when missionaries from Rome arrived to attempt the conversion of the pagan Angles and Saxons, and Saxons. It had become an irrevocable part of the calendar of the Latin Church. So by 597 AD, Christmas was established in the Western Latin Church as the the feast of the birth of Christ. Yeah. And what Holland is pointing out is, and so that's colliding with all these pagan cultures that have their own sorts of celebrations near the winter solstice. And so of course, you know, the gospel is moving into these cultures 
where pagans are gathering to celebrate the shortest day of the year on 22 December. Christians are gathering to celebrate the Feast of the Nativity of Christ, 25th of December. And so, of course, these things sort of are right up against each other. And all kinds of people just assume that, like, well, Christianity must have just taken over the atheist cel- or the pagan celebration and baptized it. But that's not actually what happened. Yeah, and, and also recognizing that oftentimes Christianity, I mean, because Christianity is a global religion, that people are going to adopt certain cultural practices and their Christianity is going to take on some of those things. And it's not bad. It's not wrong. I mean, we do that in our own country. And so if there are what we consider vestiges of certain practices, ways of celebrating that Christians in a particular country, like particularly a tree. Britain. Yeah. Like, well, that actually started in Germany. The Germans. Yes. Um, so a lot of the practices that we, that we have, our Christmas practices can be traced to these particular cultures the core celebration of Christ on December 25th is not baptized pagan religion, but has its own logic. And they arrive, and like you pointed out, not necessarily biblical, but drawing from a principle. And I think this is what's interesting: drawing from a principle that history is not random. The history actually has symmetry and order. If my and meaning, dog shows up and leaves on the 25th of December, wow! How much more beautiful if Christ exactly was born and died on? The I same mean, day. contextual. Wow. You should put that in your sermon on Christmas. Man, that's deep. Hey, speaking of deep, real tree or fake tree? Uh, we've gone fake. Wow. I used real to be tree real, or fake tree? Normally it's a real tree. This year it's a fake tree. Two fake trees. Yeah. Two fake trees. One upstairs, one downstairs. Yeah, baby. Are you going to ask me? Sure, Dusty. Real tree, fake tree. Well, it's a pagan tradition. So. <laughs> <laughs> we, we don't do trees. No there. trees. We only do Advent oh, at like our house. No, I'm there. kidding. We go real tree. Yeah. yeah and you, you seem a little bit snooty about it too. Well, I am. I feel okay. good about it. Well. It's also a waste of money. And, and it gets needles dumb. all and over your house. No, I go, but it, I go but it's They smell great. They, they smell, smell great. Yeah. They smell amazing. One final, Tom Holland is very interested in, and he's one of the most um, interesting writers in drawing out the social effects of Christianity. So the last sort of observation he makes in this article, because he wants you to understand as someone living in the West— One of Tom Holland's sort of research objectives in his writing is to say, if you live in the West, you can be an atheist, you can be a Buddhist, you can be a pagan, you can be a Christian. You are living in a culture that bears the imprints of Christianity. There is all the things you take for granted exist because of Christianity. And he's committed to things like, you know, human rights, justice, equality, freedom. These are all Christian ideas. So, the thing he points out at the end of this article is that in the pagan traditions, the pagan Saturnalia feasts and pagan rituals, there was no sense of charity, goodwill, or like remembering the poor. These were just like sort of drunken fests, you know, let's get together, let's like, you know, worship the sun god or whatever, or, you know, celebrate the birth of Mithra or celebrate, you know, Sol Invictus or whatever. And, uh, and then let's, you know, go on with our lives. He points out that as Christianity, the, the, the celebration of Christmas has always had central to it, even among those who were not Christian, but just celebrated the holiday in a sort of Christianized culture. Christmas has always had connected to it a sense of caring for the disadvantaged, a sense of charity and goodwill toward others, right? Why does why the Salvation Army in our city do the red kettle thing during the Christmas season? Why, even in the Christmas carol, do the two guys come to Scrooge's office and say, hey, it's customary at this time of year to take up an offering for those that are disadvantaged. It's because the Christian celebration of Christmas 
always had with it a remembrance that Jesus came to the poor. He was born in humble circumstances. And so as Christians have marked his birth, they've always had a concern to care for those less fortunate. And Tom Holland says there's a reason why Christmas in every culture that sort of has been influenced by Christianity has that spirit to it because that is a distinctly Christian value. It's a, he says Christmas has a fundamentally Christian character no matter where it's celebrated and no matter who is celebrating. And I think that's an interesting observation of the cultural influence of Christianity. And another reason why Christmas kind of takes hold December 25th, which you were pointing out earlier with the time of year, with the winter solstice and the switch from days going from shorter to longer, kind of that moment of, Hey, light is going to dawn into the world. Light is going to shine. And and you consider what we celebrate Christ coming to the world, the light of the world entering in. You can see again, not drawn from pagan tradition, but theological reflection, how Christmas on December 25th would gain steam. Even if it's not necessarily, you know, you can draw, trace that out biblically, theologically, historically, traditionally, it really lines up with the theological message of, of, of what the incarnation is. And so to celebrate it, even if we're not necessarily like, when this is historically when Jesus was born, we can say theologically, this makes a ton of sense. Yeah. And Holland points out the fact that pagans had staged midwinter festivities meant that dimly, inadequately, gropingly, they perhaps had anticipated the supreme miracle, the coming into darkness of the true light by which every man who comes into the world is lit. He's basically saying that the the fact that pagans were onto something with the growth of light was actually kind of an anticipation of the way John tells us the Christmas story, right? The light has come into the world. And so there's a real resonance between the sort of biblical themes of light coming into darkness and what any pagan living in the 5th century could see on December 22nd and the winter solstice. So, friends, Christmas is not a pagan holiday. Oh, phew. It's distinctly Christian. We didn't steal it from the pagans. We just, the, the pagans were acknowledging that the shortest day of the year, when light kind of turns the corner and begins to break into the darkness, what a moment for a feast. And we came along and said, oh, and actually, did you know Jesus was actually born on that day? Because the true light of the world came at that time. So you should celebrate this Christmas or this whole Advent season, Chris. Put up a tree, real or fake, hang your stockings. Yeah. Eat some shrimp. Eat some shrimp. <laughs> Be generous. That's right. Be generous with those around you and celebrate the fact that uh, light is coming to darkness and that we live in a world full of the vestiges of Christianity and shaped by the unique celebration of the incarnation, whether people acknowledge it or not, all the themes that we connect with Christmas um, are distinctly Christian in their origin uh, because of the way that our culture has been shaped by the Christian story. Merry Christmas, everyone, and thanks for being listeners to the Wednesday Conversation. Also, notice that we don't raise any money or have any advertisers or anything. We're not doing like an end-of-the-year funding drive to say like, hey, you know what, This at this time of year, please send your gifts to the Wednesday Conversation. You know why? Because <laughs> we don't need any money to do this nah. podcast. We just do this out of the goodness and joy of our hearts because we enjoy connecting with you listeners and serving our church and making it possible for Christians to grow in their thinking about the world and about discipleship. So it's kind of fun that at this time of year when all the other podcasts I listen to are like, you know what? 
why don't you send us a donation? <laughs> We're just saying, hey, send us some snacks. That's all yeah. we need. That's all we need. Fueled by Take snacks. Snack all we really need is some New Year snacks. Man, I just remembered one of my favorite Christmas traditions. Wow. It's when we put money on the dining room table and we ask our kids where they want to give it. Oh, that's cool. And we just ask them to pick somebody. And usually it's a single mom or something like that. So. Does everybody put money or you and JC just throw some hundreds on it's there? It's usually like, our hey. money. And we say, hey, here's some money. Here's the dollar. You know, when they were younger, they were like, wow, that's a lot of money. <laughs> now they're like, is that all we can do? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Dig deeper, dad. Yeah. So yeah, that just got me thinking, like, don't send your money to the Wednesday conversation. Give it to somebody. Send it to somebody that needs it. Yeah. Amen, brother. Well, it's a privilege uh, doing this podcast with all of you. I enjoy this, and uh, it's fun to sort of mark this moment in the year. I guess we got one more episode before the official end of the year, which will be a Bovink episode. But until then, we're all going to Christmas Mass at St. Cecilia's with Bethany, and then we're having shrimp at my house. <laughs> See y'all there. <laughs> the goal of this podcast is to equip our own church for discipleship and mission. So if you're a Christian or a church leader in another context, we thank you for listening in. And we pray that this conversation might be helpful to you as you minister in your context. We love to hear from listeners. So if you have thoughts, questions, or future podcast topics, send an email to podcast at cdomaha.com. Thanks for listening, and we'll see you next Wednesday for another episode of the Wednesday Conversation.